Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. We are on week two of Chasing Wholeness. I'm excited to be up here. And I want to recognize that on Memorial Day weekend, we couldn't chase wholeness. We couldn't chase dreams. We couldn't chase goals. We couldn't chase anything if it wasn't for the sacrifice that women, men, and families had made to provide us the opportunity not just to worship together, but actually live in this country. So today, on Memorial Day weekend, I'm as a church, we honor those that paved the way so that we can chase the things that we want to chase. Um, we are on week two of Chasing Wholeness, and I'm excited about it. Um, Pastor Jared, he kicked us off last week, and he gave a great example, and I just want to remind you of it. He's talking about chasing wholeness as the example of having a table in front of you and how that table needs multiple legs so that it can stand. And in our lives, if we are going to live whole lives, uh, we need that same table. In other words, we need to add things to us that put us in a position to where we can stand whole. And to be transparent with you, wholeness maybe isn't a thing that I kill all of the time, and it's not because I don't recognize the value of it, but I have to be reminded that, hey, I need, I, I need to make sure um, that wholeness is something I aspire to be, because I can get tunnel vision, and I can get locked in, and I can try to get one thing done with all of my energy, all of my time, and I forget that actually I need to be whole, I need to be at peace with Jesus I was on social media the other day, and I saw a picture, and it was like a before and after picture, and it was of a guy. And in the first picture, he weighed about 100 pounds. And in the second picture, he was five inches taller. His eyes had changed colors. He was tan. He was more handsome. And he weighed about 225. And it said, this was a six-month turnaround. And if you buy this product, this is what will happen in six months. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That is, is a great product. And, and then you read underneath it, and it has all these hashtags that they're putting on there in hopes that it would catch on your feed. And the first hashtag was gains. It said hashtag gains because this is what it meant to have gains. That if you um, buy this product, this is what's going to happen in six months. And uh, I, I didn't buy it or anything like that, but um, it, it, I was thinking, man, that's crazy because they're trying to promote. And there are people that do buy it. Obviously, they're a company, and they're using this extreme difference to try to get people to buy this product. And they're selling the product, but what I also think they're trying to sell is, is that there's something wrong with the guy in the first picture. They're trying to sell this ideology that if you're not to a certain place, then you're not where you need to be yet. And I think as Americans, the American culture, I think we have really bought into the idea that we need gains all of the time, whether it be in the gym or whether it be in your finances or whether it be in status or whether it be in your life, whether it be in your relationships, we are preconditioned. And if we don't watch over ourselves, we will always be hungry for something more. And wholeness, I believe, is actually kind of the opposite. I believe if we're going to chase wholeness, wholeness speaks to me that I am good where I'm at. And it doesn't mean that I don't aspire for other things, but I'm good where I'm at right now. And that's really not a way that we've been preconditioned to be. And I see this in a scripture, and I'll give you a little um, backstory of the scripture. There's a group of people going on, and they are saying, this is what it means to be 
godly. And they're putting all of these gains out there. And I'll just put it in our terminology. They're saying that a 3,500 square foot house is what it means to be godly. They're saying that a luxury vehicle that will pre-cool your seats or heat them before you get in it is what it means to be godly. They say that you need a license plate that says highly favored and or blessed to be godly. And this is the theology that they're trying to preach to people, that this is what it looks like to be godly. And not only are they preaching that this is what it looks like for God to be alive in your life, they're also saying that this this is what I'm, I'm going to utilize to gain more of it. So they're saying this. They're saying this is what it looks like to be godly. And, and if you're not this, you're not godly. And there's a guy named Paul, and he has what he calls a son in the faith, or it's a guy that he's training up. This guy's name's Timothy, and Paul's writing to Timothy in the midst of all of this going on, these people saying, hey, my caddy makes me godly, my three-story house makes me godly, gains make me godly, and Paul doesn't stop to say that gains don't make you godly, but he brings some clarity to the situation. You can find it in 1 Timothy chapter 6, right here, verse 6. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'm only really, honestly, not in love with the term contentment. And it's not because I don't think it's a powerful term, but it's because I don't think I do it well. Uh, And for me, it was a wrestle to even preach on this a little bit because I don't know that um, I'm ever going to get there with it. And then I recognize the Holy Spirit dealing with me is that there's some things that we are in the middle of. And what we need to know is, is it, First off, this is the truth. And second off, we do what we can to get to that truth. Because I recognize in myself the way that I'm hardwired or the way that I preconditioned myself to be is that I actually like gains. I like, I like more. I like things to get better. I like things to get bigger. And what can happen is, is that in the pursuit of all of these things, I can forget that the greatest gain is to pursue godliness and be content with wherever you're at in the moment. Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, dear to his heart. And he said, listen, all these people are saying this is what a gain looks like. This is what a gain looks like. This is what can happen in six months if you'll do this. You'll go from this to this because there's something wrong with this. And Paul said, no, no, no. There's something wrong if we're not content where we're at right now. And let's talk a little bit about what contentment biblically may be or may not be. I don't believe that contentment Biblically is when I'm just big chilling all the time, okay with wherever I'm at, okay with whatever's going on. I'm just content. To be honest with you, that idea of contentment that I heard preached when I was growing up is probably the reason that I don't really like the word contentment because I believe people would preach it in such a way to where you're just supposed to be good where you're at no matter what's going on. On the outside, inside, it doesn't matter. You can't change anything. Why would you want to change anything? Whatever lot God has for you is the one that he's going to make sure you have. Whatever cards he wants you to play, he's going to make sure they're in your deck. And that's how it was preached and I didn't like the word contentment. I don't believe that contentment means that you're big chilling with everything going on on the outside. I believe contentment means that you're big chilling on the inside no matter what's going on the outside. Meaning that even when things out here aren't okay, in here you're okay. You've got a spiritual satisfaction. I might use the terms on the inside or use terms like in your heart and they're interchangeable to me. What I mean is, is that it's the inward decision that you are allowing to govern your life, that I'm going to be good, and it's based on the sufficiency that Jesus Christ provides to us on its own. I'm good because Jesus is enough. I've got goals, yes, 
but Jesus is enough if I don't meet him. I've got plans, yes, but Jesus is enough if I don't reach him. I've got ideas. I, I've got things that I want to see happen in my life. Yeah, I'm not just going to hope that they happen one day. I'm not content over here hoping that it all just falls out of the sky and lands on my plate and it knocks on the door. And all of a sudden, the guy that I've been praying to get married, he's going to show up at my house out of nowhere. I don't have to do anything. He's going to show up. Um, uh, I've never prayed. I prayed for a woman to get married to, by the way. But anyway, I felt that really heavy right there. But um, uh, uh, yeah, but you just hope that the things will happen. I'm content and my contentment has led me to inactivity. That's not biblical contentment. Biblical contentment is that I'm all right if these things never happen because I've decided, I've got this governing belief that my spiritual satisfaction comes from this, that Jesus Christ and what he is to me and what he's done for me is enough. Here's what I believe wholeheartedly. I believe that we will all end up where God wants us to be and we'll all end up who God wants us to be if Jesus Christ will become enough for us. If Jesus Christ will become enough for us. Notice, I did not say that I believe or that I believe Scripture says that you will end up where you're supposed to be if you chase gains all of your life. Because here's what I recognize, is that oftentimes when we chase these gains, we are utilizing the gifts, the talents, the network, the intellect, the knowledge, and the know-how that God has given us, and we put the gas pedal to the metal with these skills that he has given us, and we go out here and we chase things that are external. I don't have any problem with any of these things or any acquisitions or anyone being blessed or anyone getting more. I have no issue with that at all. But the warning that I have this morning is, is that in the approach to chase all of these things, if you are utilizing the gift that God gave you to the nth degree and you don't have any contentment on the inside, what you're going to recognize is, is that God never gave you that gift to replace him or to sustain you. He gave you that so that you could chase goals, but you were supposed to start with contentment on the inside. You were supposed to start being good no matter what was going on. Even when all of this isn't okay, you're okay in here. And if you want to be a whole person this summer, and if wholeness is something you're longing for, if peace is something you long for, if this summer you want to be able to stamp it on the piece of paper that I chased wholeness, I believe that one of the legs that you need on your table without a doubt it's called contentment. It's called contentment. I know there's a story in the Bible, and there's a guy, his name is Abraham. And Abraham and his family, they were moon worshipers. They would travel around, and they worshiped the moon. But the moon was not the only God that they worshiped. They had a God for everything they needed. So if they needed rain, they would pray to a rain God. If they needed harvest, they prayed to a harvest God. Abraham's wife, she wasn't pregnant. They actually had a fertility God. He would pray to a fertility God that his wife would get pregnant. Anything they needed, they created a God for so that they could pray to this God in hopes that the God that they created somehow would have power beyond their own, even though they created him, to go out and do something that they needed done. They had all these little G gods everywhere. And it's a cool baller moment, in my opinion, when God himself introduces himself to Abraham. He says, Abraham, and he gives him his name is Abraham. My name is Yahweh. And that's a different word to us. We would interchange the word Jesus. But in Hebrew, before Jesus died on the cross, they would have known about Jesus. So there was a word that they used for God and it was Yahweh. And what Yahweh means is this. It means uncreated one and God before all other gods. So when Yahweh, God comes on the scene into Abraham's life, he comes in and says, listen, you no longer need all of these gods you created. You've now got the God that created you. Yahweh, the uncreated one, the God before all these other gods. And Abraham 
was able to go and follow God with all the crazy instructions that you can find in the book of Genesis that God gave him in his life because the fact of God being enough produced a contentment in him to where he was able to follow God the rest of his life. It doesn't mean he didn't mess up, but he had something deep down. He had a governing belief, and that was this. is that godliness with contentment is great gain, and he had to get God above all of these other gods. It doesn't mean that he didn't still need it to rain. It doesn't mean that his wife, he didn't still want his wife to have a baby. It doesn't mean that he didn't still have harvest. It doesn't mean that you don't still have things that you need to get done out here. But you chase those things from a posture of contentment. You don't chase those things hoping that they'll make you content. And when we get a posture of contentment, and we get in a place to where godliness with contentment is great gain, then we get in a place where not only can God do something big, but we get in a place to where we are at peace and we have wholeness. I remember the first time that I actually um, can remember wrestling with contentment. I was going to Bible school, and I get there, and the, it was, the way that it was set up is that you had X amount of dollars you had to bring to the table to get started, and then they give you all their books and your, your books and your class schedule. And I walk into the room I'm supposed to be in, and there's two lines, and I'm not for sure what line to go in, and I didn't know anybody there, and I had a little social anxiety, and I'm like, which line do I go in? Which is the right line? And I'm sitting, I'm a little nervous, and then I'm hearing some people talk, and I found out that since uh, I, I had my money to pay for my books, I went in this line. And so I went in the line that I was supposed to go in, and I'm wondering what the other line is, and the closer I get to the front, I find out that they actually formed a whole other line for all the people that didn't have the money to pay for their books. And although the idea behind the line was so that they can get a plan together so they can help these people get that money, um, it was a great idea, but they made that line extremely visible. And I felt so bad for all the people that in front of all their new classmates were in a line, and they, everybody over here knows that you don't have the money to pay for your books. And I felt bad for these people. You could kind of see them had their head down, and I would have had my head down too if I was in that line. And I was so thankful in that moment that God had given me uh, the money to pay for my books. And I was excited. I was like, whew, I am so glad that I am not in that line. Go to year two. I'm a week from going to school and I did not have the money I needed to pay for my books. And all I could think about was that second line. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm fixing to go in line number two. And, uh, and I, was, I, was, I was nervous, and that summer, I believe that God had told me to volunteer at a Christian camp. So I didn't make any money that summer because I volunteered at a Christian camp. So I did not waste my time. I just did what I thought God told me to do. And I'm over there, and I'm a couple days out from going, and I'm wrestling with this idea of contentment, and I finally get to a place to be transparent with, no matter what it meant, God told me to go do this. So even if I had to stand in the other line, I was going to go stand in the other line. I was going to get a plan together, and we were going to get money raised to go books because God told me to do that. And I get to a place where I recognize that, you know what, I'm visibly going to be in front of these people, and they're going to know that this summer I didn't have any gains. But I'm going to be okay with that. And it was hard for me to do that, but I got to that place. I'm getting in the second line. No big deal. God told me to go to this school. I'm going to go to this school. The Sunday evening before the line day, which was Monday, line day, um, uh, the Sunday evening, at church, they were doing prayer requests. We used to do that where people would get up there and they would complain. No, I'm just playing. They would, they would give their prayer requests, um, uh, and they, they, would, they, would, they wouldn't gossip at all. But they would, they would give their prayer requests, and, and people would, they would pray, and they would believe God to, you know. And there was an individual in there. I wasn't in the room, but there was an individual in there that knew that I didn't have the money. And that individual spoke up and said, hey, um, let's just pray that God would um, provide the needs that Ryan has. And I didn't know that they did that. Then there I am. Everybody knows I'm broke. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that's how those things works. Um, uh, but everybody knew that I was broke. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, and then I, uh, yeah, so then they, that was Sunday. And they 
go to line day, and I'm in line, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I get in line, and I tell them, hey, I, 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 I didn't have the money. That next Sunday comes around, and we're in church, and the pastor in the middle of church hollers my name and says, Ryan, won't you come up here? And I'm like, actually, bro, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. There's no way. I'm not walking up there. There's no chance. And he's like, no, Ryan, I, I need you to come up here. And I was like, oh, okay. So I walk up there in the middle of church, and here's what I had found out at that time. Um, in the process of endeavoring to be in a state of contentment on the inside, knowing that God told me to do it, so no matter what was going on, on the outside, I would be okay on the inside. Um, the previous Sunday when they gave that prayer request out, there was a gentleman in the room that God spoke to um, when that prayer request about me not having the money to go to school was there. And that gentleman's name was Perry. And God told Perry to make sure I could go to school. And Perry told God, I don't have the money to send that boy to school. And God said, you don't have the money, but you do know some people. So what I found out the following Sunday was, was that Perry went to as many local businesses that would let him on the inside of the doors, and he would grab a chair, and he would stand up on that chair. And Perry would begin to tell a story about a young man that God wanted to send to Bible school. And Perry raised my money one business at a time, and I found out that's why the pastor called me up there, because then they handed me that money, and I was moved. And in that moment, I saw the value of doing what God has called you to do, even if it doesn't appear that you will have the gains that you need to do what you think you're supposed to do down here. I saw the value of godliness with contentment, and it's great gain. And I wish I could get that feeling deep down on the inside of you this morning, today, that this summer, if there's anything powerful we can do, if there's anything monumental we can do, if there's anything in the realm of wholeness that we can do, it is apply contentment to our life. Again, it's not inactivity, but it does put you in a place not only where you can receive better from God, but you have more peace at home. And let's balance them out. What if there are some things that you were chasing, right, that you lost because you began to chase wholeness? What if there were some things that you lost, but your marriage was healthy? What if there are some things that you lost, but your kids grew up in a godly home? What if there's some things that you had to put on the back burner, right, but your family recognized that you were going to be the man of God, that you were called to be, and you were going to make sure you got home by a certain time? That was extremely convicting to me, to be transparent with you. What if there were some things that if we were going to put them on a scale and we were eternally going to find out which one had more weight, what if chasing wholeness was the best thing we could do this summer? What if carving space, making margin, and giving God an opportunity to help us make ourselves whole. What if there's some areas that we needed healing in, but we've been too busy to calm down and hit the pause button long enough for God to do a deep work on the inside of us and actually work that healing out? What if God wanted to produce the healing, add the value, increase your self-worth one Sunday morning at a time? But our schedule, because of the things we were chasing, and I had no issue with any of these things, but what if we had prioritized them above wholeness? And maybe we wouldn't admit it, but what if we did? What if we prioritized the things that we were after here in America over contentment? What if we had got our priorities misaligned, not intentionally, but what if that's all we'd ever seen? What if the examples that were put in front of us were for someone to completely exhaust everything they had in hopes that they would attain a certain thing that was fleeting? that was temporary, that would one day be dust? What if we could 
redial in our value system and recognize that today I still want those things. I still hope for those things. But they are way down on the list when it comes to chasing wholeness and when it comes to contentment because I trust Paul. I trust the scriptures. And when it said that godliness with contentment is great gain, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to find out what contentment adds to my life. Now I'm going to give it a whirl. There's another scripture, and it's Paul writing too. And I want to pull a little truth out of it, but I think it's pretty cool. Um, and scripture lets us know that in the book of Genesis that we've been made in God's likeness and in his image. We've been made like God. And whatever you think that means, or maybe you never heard it before, maybe it means that uh, we have some similarities to the way we look to the way God looks, or maybe the way we think or the way that we believe that God looks. But no matter what it means, it definitely means that there are some things about us that are similar to God. Humanity was made in the image of God. And no matter where that falls in your theology or in your belief system, we've been made in his image according to to scripture, and I think it's cool to find out that although God has made us the way that He's made us, right, there are some things that God still wants us to add to ourselves, even though He made us the way He made us. You can check it out in Philippians chapter 4. It says this, verse 11. This is Paul writing, it says, Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I have. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him. Some translations say I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. There's one thing that jumped out when I was reading this, and I've read it before. is that you've got Paul. Let's leave the scripture on the screen. You've got Paul, according um, to history, is a genius when it comes to his intellect, to the knowledge that he's able to retain and that he's able to deliver in the way that he communicates. He is a genius. And you've got this guy who has genius-level intellect, who's been made in the image of God, and he drops a little word on there that I think would be good for us to grab a hold of this morning. It's right here. First sentence, now that I speak from one, for I have learned to be content. I've learned to be content. What I recognize about contentment is this, is that there is a process that we go through to get there. That although we've been made in God's image and although he is the manufacturer of us, he left space for us to desire it and for us to chase it. He didn't download contentment into every one of us. He didn't just put it in there. Wouldn't that be nice if we could just know that everything we would ever need in life, God already gave it to us, but God loves us so much, he left us space to recognize and begin to desire things that he wants to get to us in such a way to where we would be willing to do what Paul, who had intellectual knowledge, genius level, I'm telling you, way up there, and there was still something he needed to learn. Made in the image of God, God's his manufacturer, there was still something he needed to learn, and that was contentment. The last verse is really powerful. I can do all things through him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there are so many people that I believe have gotten victory from that verse. And this is your first time hearing it. Grab a hold of it. Mark it in your Bible app. Write it down. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are a lot of lives that have overcome challenges because there's so much victory in that verse. But there's something that precedes your ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul gives us a little clue, a little window into what that is. He says this. He said, before I knew that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I first had to learn contentment. I had to learn contentment. I wonder if contentment is the add-on you need this morning to overcome. I wonder if it is the thing that your manufacturer, God who made you, 
left room for you to desire it, for you to be willing to chase it, for you to be willing to add it, for you to be willing to learn it. And you learn that thing, and it puts you in a position to where even though maybe nothing on the outside changes, because we can't promise that, but what we can be confident of is that when we get an internal posture, a heart, the inside of us, the governing beliefs, the core values that we have that govern our lives, when we recognize that contentment with godliness is much gain, it's the add-on that we need to sustain us. It's the add-on that we need to keep us. I've got a truck, and when I bought that truck, it had an add-on to the truck, and it was the front bumper. And the bumper, it's a nice bumper. It's really functional, but it's kind of a little bigger than what I would like. And I even began to process, man, what, what could I do? Could I sell this bumper, put some money, and then find just a regular bumper to put on this truck? And then I can like the look of my truck better, and I can pocket some cash. So when I bought the truck, I was processing that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this big bumper and I'm going to put a regular bumper on here and I'm going to pocket some cash because it seemed like a cool thing to do because that bumper was not put on that truck by the manufacturer. It was an add-on. It was put on in addition to the truck itself had space for the bumper, but the manufacturer did not put the bumper on the truck. And I've never taken it off. I've never taken it off. And I've thought over and over and over again about taking that bumper off. And here I am driving last Monday in the rain. I'm coming off of a road and I turn in to, um, uh, I turn into a, a business here in town and it has asphalt everywhere. And it kind of has a slope going in. And when I turn my truck in the rain onto the asphalt, I lose complete control of the truck. Wasn't going too fast. Just slid, lost control of the truck. I slide down into an embankment and there I am setting as almost a 20 foot drop on my right side and my left tire is off the ground, and I'm just hanging right there, rocking, fixing the tip. And I'm like, and I can't move. I can't move. I was getting dry mouth, and I had a drink right here, but I didn't even move to grab my drink. Like, I was just sitting there. I'm holding my brake. About five minutes in, I get a charlie horse in my calf, and I just can't move because I'm like, I'm not going to let this thing flip. Like, it's fixing to go. And sometimes the first people to show up to help are the least helpful people. And a lady comes up. She's about this tall. She's like, how can I help you get out of here? And I was like, your car's the same size you are, ma'am. I have no idea how you're going to get me out of this pinch. And she was like, do you know you're fixing to flip? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening right now. She's like, your truck is moving, sir. And I was like, I'm, I'm in the truck. Like, I feel it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the truck. And I'm rocking, and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, this thing's fixing to turn. And I mean it. Like, it's fixing to turn. And uh, I call a couple tow trucks because I don't even know if they can get me out. And nobody's showing up, and nobody's showing up. And finally, I call another one again, and I'm like, listen, like, I'll call anybody in town, but y'all got to get here. And they're like, well, we rerouted our truck to an actual wreck. I was like, I'm, you're causing a wreck. Like, this thing is going overboard. And anyways, they do get there, and they get a hold of me, and the guy was really nervous, and they get me out, and I had some other help. And it gets my truck back on the road, and I'm nervous. And I look down that embankment, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I was fixing to fall down there. And the guy that worked for the tow company is like, bro, that was so close. Like, you were so close. Like, you were going to die. Um, but no, he didn't say it. But, like, he, 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 there was some tension there, you know. I, I felt the tension. And I get out. I pull my truck over. I look underneath my truck. There's nothing wrong with my truck. And I'm thankful, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, my truck didn't flip. And I look at that big old bumper, and there's mud all over that bumper. And I go back and look at that embankment, and I recognize that the bumper that I didn't like the look of was the add-on that my truck needed to keep me from flipping. It was the additive that that truck needed to keep me from going down in the ditch. And this morning, what I believe wholeheartedly 
is that contentment is the add-on that we need to our lives to keep us from flipping. It will keep us out of ditches that life presents. It will hold us and sustain us in hard times that are inevitable. It will be the force that God uses to keep you when you need kept. If you've ever watched the Olympic Games, there are, uh, you know, they've got the torch. And they're holding the torch and they're walking up and they put the torch in there. And I was doing some reading and I heard a guy tell this story, so it got me interested in it. And I was doing some reading and I found out that ancient Greece is actually where they got the idea of lighting the torch and then keeping, they want to keep the torch lit the whole time and all this. And it actually, the history is it came from ancient Greece and there's a little discrepancy, but here's a story I believe, so here's the one I'll share. Is that they would have a guy and he would actually run with this torch. And he would run with this lit torch from one town to the other. And when he got to the town he was running to, that's when the games would start at that town. And so here he is and he lights the torch and say he's in Athens right? And maybe he would want to run to Marathon. So he would run to the town Marathon, and when he got the lit torch to Marathon, right, they would start the games there. Or maybe he would light the torch, and he would run to Corinth. And when he got the lit torch to Corinth, that's where they start. Or maybe Olympia, and he would take this lit torch, and this guy would run it from Athens, and when he got to that place, that's when the games begin to start at that place. And I had this thought, what if the guy carrying that torch year over year, what if he was wired like some of us are? And what if last year the trip from Athens to Marathon took him four and a half hours? And this year he decided to do it in four. What if he said, you know what, I'm going to cut my time down. I'm going to be more efficient. I'm going to be more effective. I'm going to make this happen. And here he is. He's running. He's halfway between Athens and Marathon, somewhere along the way. Here comes this huge gust of wind that comes through, and it blows the torch out. But he's not worried about that because he's just trying to beat the time that he had before. And he runs, and he gets to the city circle, and there's all the leaders, and there's all the elders of the town of Marathon, and they're looking at him, and they're like, bro, the flame is out. We can't start the games. And he's like, who cares about the flame? I cut 30 minutes off of my time and then what if they're there and in that moment they have to remind him that his job was not to cut 30 minutes off this time his job was to keep the flame lit his job was to protect what had been lit and carry it until he got to the next place I believe this morning sometimes a lot of times maybe even this room that you have gotten we have gotten Americans, humans have gotten so focused on trying to do better, be better, be bigger, that we have lost sight of the fact that God has asked us, just keep the flame lit. Just do what I put in front of you. Just do what I've asked you to do. And if what God has asked you to do isn't enough, just know this, you've got off somewhere. We all have, I have, but you've got off somewhere. And if the call God has for your life the things that God has put in your life, the people that God has put in your life, if they're not the most important things in your life, we need to make an adjustment. We need to dial it back in. We need to recognize that we're not trying to cut 30 minutes off of our time. We are endeavoring to keep the flame lit. That runner, what he would have to do is he would have to turn around, he'd have to go all the way back to Athens. And when he got back to Athens, even though they've already lit it one time, they would relight the flame for him. And I believe this morning, there's potentially a group of people that you recognize that due to busyness, maybe due to you haven't even given it the attention that it needs, maybe you don't even recognize it till right now, right? But you've ran so hard because you haven't been content 
that you've put the flame out. And just like they would relight that flame for that runner, I believe this morning, if you'll let him do, God wants to relight the flame in you. He wants to help you refocus. He wants to bring peace to you in a way that only he can bring peace to you. Will you bow your heads this morning? We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.